Put your hands together for Mark Helbertum. Oh, thank you, Rich. Thank, thank you. Thanks, Simon. Bless you for that. Oh, it's so good to uh, see you all on this new year. And given that this is the first time that I am all seeing you all, Happy New Year to you on behalf of Steph and I and the kids. It's, uh, we had last Sunday off, uh, which was nice. So, but it's, you know, I haven't missed being here. So it's, it's good to be here with you all and indeed all of you online as well. I realise that with, uh, without kids' work and youth work this morning, many, many families are at home at the moment. Uh, as Richard and Jenna communicated earlier, um, it's due to lack of being able to provide those services. We all know the place that we're in at the moment with many people having COVID and many in isolation. And so due to staff and volunteer absences, we're unable to do so. But the idea is that next Sunday, everything will be back to normal, whatever normal looks like these days. Uh, and donuts are back, which I don't know about you, but I think that's a good thing. Um, I'm not sure my waistline would agree, but certainly looking forward to donuts. So, and of course, kids work uh, next week. But worth reminding you all that youth are meeting this evening at 6.30. Well, um, I've got to say, that was just such a wonderful time of worship. It's just so good to be together and worship God and to hear God's voice because, as Jenna reminded us, God is always speaking. God is a God that is always speaking. It's not a question of if he speaks, the question is, are we listening? And I think it's a healthy reminder at the start of a year, particularly to say, are we listening to what God has for us? And... Uh, that is the thread that I want to pick up this morning. I'm just so grateful to Richard Gathard, our executive pastor, who just did such a superb job last week of, uh, yeah, let's give, let's give Richard an applause. Bless you, brother. Um, Trevor was down to speak, but bless Trevor, he, he came down with COVID. So I think you and I had a conversation, well, probably Friday before the Sunday, said, Rich, you're up. And uh, we had a quick chat. And it was just such a wonderful talk uh, based on Isaiah 43 about uh, the, forgetting the former things and getting ready for the new things that God has. And that was, of course, what Paul shared earlier uh, with us as well. And I just want to encourage you, if you missed that talk, you can, of course, watch it now in multiple places, on YouTube, on Facebook, on, um, on our phone, our smartphone app. So if you missed that, do, um, do watch that. And so what I'm going to do is actually continue on from last week, um, as I do, as Richard said, um, open up with a new series that is yet to be untitled. I think I might give it a title at the end of the series. Or maybe I'll open up a competition. Give me the name of the title on a postcard and send it through. There we go. And you get a prize. What do you win? Good question. I don't know. Maybe lunch with Richard or something. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? There you go, Rich. <laughs> Um, you know, I, uh, I was really grateful um, on Thursday. I caught up with Chris Birch-Evans. Many of you know he's a member, Kate and the family, a member of the church, and he leads STEP as well, which, uh, as you might know, STEP are now housed in our building, which has been uh, so great. And uh, not, not only is Chris a very uh, good friend of mine for a long time, but he's a colleague in the ministry, and I know I'm going to embarrass him saying this, but someone with whom I respect greatly, is a godly man, a lot of wisdom, and I always respect his counsel. And he and I sat down for the first time in the year and we talked about what God has been doing and how we feel about the year ahead. And I rather, I don't know, downloaded, dumped on him really, how I was feeling. Uh, it's nice to have people that you can do that with. And I said, you know what, Chris? I feel funny, if I'm honest. Um, I feel if I'm honest, disorientated. I just don't know where I'm at. Anyone feel a little bit disorientated? 
there's a few yeses in the room. You know, last year, you know, the first year of COVID, it seemed to, you know, we had the lockdown in March, the weather was amazing, you know, and then the second year, I don't know where it went, it just disappeared. And I don't know where I'm at. It should feel like I should be in June or something. I don't know. We've just had Christmas. I said, I just don't know how I'm feeling. And I said to him, I get this sense that we're on the verge of something. It's like, I know something's about to happen, but I don't quite know what it is. I kind of know we've left something, but I don't know what we're going to. Anybody feel that? I know that normal's not coming back. How many times have we heard that, that phrase? But I don't know what the new normal is. I mean, isn't that a paradox anyway, new normal? I mean, this is oxymoron, I think, is the word, isn't it? And I kept, just bless Chris, he's such a good listener. He listened to me going on and on. And all of a sudden, he got up off the sofa and meet him up. Oh, dear, have I gone and offended him? And he walks to the door and he opens the door and he goes and steps out. I'm like, oh, grumps. How many years have I known you, Chris? And you, you're, you're just walking out on me. And he stops. And he says, do you know what this is? And he puts his foot over the, the doorway. And what I could see was where the two carpets joined. So I, I said, oh, it's a seam. And he went, <laughs> no, no, it's not a seam, Mark. It's a liminal. I said, what? A what, what? I said, it's called a liminal. It's a threshold. A liminal is the space in between this place and that place. And you're talking about the liminal space. It's like, ooh. I said, tell me more. He said, no, go Google it. <laughs> so I did. Because, how, okay, I don't want to embarrass you. You don't have to put your hands up if you don't want to. But how many knows, who knows what a liminal is? You see, not, Sally knows. One person. Right, come on, you're up, you're preaching. (laughs) I didn't know what a liminal was. Would you like to know what a liminal is, the definition? Liminal comes from the Latin limin, which means on the threshold. (laughs) A liminal space is a transitional space, a space where we move from what we had known to the unknown. From a place listen to this, of relative comfort to a place of uncertainty. Moving from a place from, well, we used to do it like this to a place of, how are we going to do it now? It's a place of routine and certainty to a place of uncertainty. Who feels like they might be in the liminal space? Welcome. And so much credit and thanks to Chris Birch Evans for, uh, for that liminal word because that really has opened up and given me some language, not just to articulate how I am feeling, but actually to articulate what I sense the Lord is doing and saying to us as a church. Now, Richard did an amazing job last week of giving us a lens individually of how we see the year ahead and challenging us to say, you know what? Yes, God's got a plan for everybody, but just don't forget he's also got a plan for you. 
And I was so blessed by that talk because it gave me a way in which I could look at this year and say, okay, Lord, what have you got for me? What are those amazing new things that you've got? But what I'm going to do over the next few weeks, as is my privilege to do as a senior pastor, is to say where we're going as a church. What is God is doing in this season and in this moment and in this time. You know, another good example, if you're still trying to figure out a liminal space, is an airport. Did you know that an airport is a liminal space? Makes sense, right? You enter the liminal and you're about to get on a flight to another place. Or you arrive and you enter the liminal. Who's here has watched that great Tom Hanks movie, Terminal? Anybody? Yeah. What a good movie. Tom Hanks enters the liminal space. And what happens? He arrives from, I think it's some fictitious European country, into New York, and they refuse his visa, a bit like Novak Djokovic, but for other reasons. This was pre-COVID. And essentially, he, they don't put him up in a hotel. He has to stay in the terminal because he refuses to go back. And in that place... He picks up new skills. He starts plastering the walls at night because the workmen have left that stuff. He decides he wants to learn English and so he goes to the bookshops and, and gets the, uh, the, diction, the English dictionary and learns the language. And because it's a Hollywood movie, at the end of it, he gets the girl. Uh, by the way, FYI, I'm not suggesting for you single people out there that you're necessarily going to get the guy or the girl next week. But you might do. This might be your year if that's what you're looking for. But Tom Hanks, you see, exits the liminal space, very different man. He speaks a new language. He has new skills. He has a new girl. He has a completely different future than when he entered the liminal space. FYI, that applies to us as a church. That our future looks very different because of the liminal space that we have been in. And so what I want to do for the remainder of this talk is unpack what that looks like for us and what God has been doing. There's a, a guy called um, Andrew Myers. He's the advisor for spirituality and a parish priest in the Diocese of, the Chich of Chichester. And he writes this, in entering liminal space, you leave behind your former ideals and conventions the status quo, the ordinary routines, inherited mindsets. You also leave behind your safety zone. You exit your place of security. You step out into a space where you will see things differently, where your worldview might be shattered, where your existing priorities might be turned up side down. Who's up for that then? <laughs> Only a few of you. I'll give you more time and I won't say it in such a jovial way. Who's up for that? Yeah, a few of you are. And some of those words, you know, I love Liz's word, you know, doing a new thing. Are we ready? And she said, I felt like this is a corporate word. Let's look at Israel. And that's where Richard took us to last week. And as I said, I want to carry on from looking at Isaiah. You see, Israel 
entered the liminal space many a time, didn't they? If you think about it. They, they escape or they, uh, they're let go from Egypt and they're in the liminal space and they get to what? The Red Sea. And they are on the cusp of something. What about when they get past that and they get onto the border of the promised land? There they are in a liminal space, aren't they? About to enter something new. What about when they mess that up and they then have to go into the wilderness for 40 years? The liminal space can be a long time. I mean, Moses was on the backside of the desert for a long time. The liminal space. And then fast forward many years and Israel are in exile in Babylon. Where are they for 70 years? In the liminal space. Now, the liminal space is not a space by accident. It's a place and a space that God puts you on purpose. It's a place where he does his deepest work. It's the place of fruit bearing. It's the place of preparation. It's the place where we're undone in his presence. And so with that, let's, let's look at this story of, of those guys in, in, in Babylon. Let's look at Isaiah 43. Why don't you turn with me? And we're going to look at 16 to 19. As I said, this is what uh, Richard looked at um, last week. Uh, in fact, I think we'll do 18 to 19. God said to the Jews, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. What is... What is God referring to? He is referring to the amazing things that God did when he got them out of Egypt, when he parted the sea. God is saying, listen, you're in the liminal space. The exit point is not backwards, it's forward. The exit point of the liminal space is not what it used to be, it's what it's going to be next. Now, God is not saying, hey, forget that. That was rubbish, actually. Sorry, my mistake. I didn't do a very good job there. He's not saying, hey, don't praise me for that. What he's saying is, listen, don't think that what comes next is what I did before. What comes next is a new thing. What comes next is even more amazing. And it goes on, behold, I am doing a what? New thing. Say it again. New thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You see, when we're in the liminal space, it looks like we're in the place of wilderness. Because all of our comfort, all of our routine, all of our safety seems to have been stripped away. And we feel like we're in the wilderness. And we say, what now, God? What now? What now? But God says, it's springing forth. Do you not perceive it? You see, that is an invitation to say, Lord, would you show me? That is an invitation by God to ask, Lord, what are you doing? Do you not perceive it? I have been hanging on this question for over a, I don't know how long, saying, Lord, I don't. I'll be honest with you. I am not about to give you the answer to the new thing this morning. If you wish, you may leave now. 
If you're online, maybe you've logged off, who knows? But I am telling you that I'm committed to asking the question or answering that, Lord, what is it? What is it that you're doing? And that's what God's looking for us, to have a posture of expectancy to say, what does it look like, Lord? And so let's look at Israel because, as I said, there's some things we can learn. You know, the the church has much in common with Israel. Of course, the church is distinct from Israel. The church, can I just be clear, has not replaced Israel. We've been grafted in. Yes, we're referred to as spiritual Israel, but God said has a plan for his people Israel. There's some very dangerous theological replacement theology that says God's forgotten about them. That's not the case. He has a plan for his church. He has a plan, a dispensation for Israel. But there is much in common with the Israel in the Old Testament that we can learn from. And I want to look at that. You see, Israel was on a journey to enter into the promises of God. We are on a journey to enter into the promises of God. Israel was on a journey to establish the what? Physical kingdom of God. We, his church, are on a journey to establish the spiritual kingdom of God, right? The here and not yet. Our kingdom theology, that we have been called to extend the kingdom of God in word and deed, yes? This is Vineyard 101, right guys? We are here to bring his light into darkness. We're in a spiritual battle. Who knows that to be the case? Good news, you're on the winning side. Well done. Israel was on a journey to demonstrate the glory of God to all the surrounding nations. (laughs) We are on a journey to demonstrate the person of Jesus to everyone around us. Israel was on a mission. The church is called to the Great Commission. Listen. Israel wasn't a social club. The church is not a social club. The church does not exist for an insular purpose. The church exists for out there. The church exists, why? To save souls. We are on a rescue mission. You've been been drafted in by Jesus to rescue lost souls. Listen, I want us to have a good time here. I love it. But if you think that you come to church just to have a good time, then I'm afraid you don't know what church is. The church of Jesus Christ is on a mission, the great commission to make Christ known, to make disciples of all nations. Listen, the Titanic is going down and we've got to get people on the lifeboat. And that lifeboat is a person called Jesus. Let's not play games here, guys. Let's not play games. People's eternal souls are at stake. And just as Israel was on a journey, so is his church globally on a journey to make Christ known. I'm blessed to have Chris Lane. Chris and Fliss are founding pastors. Why did they leave everything and and decide to set up a new church in their lounge room? Because of the call to make Christ known. We're still on that mission. It hasn't changed. Yes, it will look different. But that's what we're about, to make Christ known. 
But I believe that we've been in the liminal space, church. We have been in the liminal space for the past couple of years, not by accident, not by chance, but because God has placed us there for a reason, because he's about to do something new. Because he's saying to us, listen, what went before you was amazing, but forget it. I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to do something new. That's not to discredit the past. That's not to say that doesn't count. Because God builds upon the victories and the triumphs and the hard-worn, won ground that was taken, but he does something new. God is not the God of the past. Thank you. I used to work in Boots, the chemist. I'm not talking five years ago. When I was about 17, 18, I used to work in Enfield in Boots in the camera department. I loved it there on Saturdays. I used to love selling cameras. But I also used to like taking people's 35mm films in. Who remembers those, eh? No digital then. Yes, I am that old. And I used to love it because we used to take it. And people used to come in with their tans. Oh, I've just been on holiday. I would like to develop my photos, please. No problem. And so we used to put it in the thing, fill it in, and then put it in the tray. And then behind us would be the, the lab. I always wanted to work in the lab, but I wasn't allowed. I just took people's money. Anyway, so you'd have people in the lab. Illustrative purposes, I'm going to stand here. This is the lab. This is the counter. And the guy would be there with his white gloves on, obviously, and he would get the film and he would put it into this machine. It was very large. It was very dark in there. But the dark is where the magic happened. Because at the end, all these photos would come out. And yes, we, we do look at your photos. <laughs> Can I just say we do? Good job for digital cameras now, hey? Well, everyone wants to put them on Facebook, so I think more people see them now than ever. But we, you know, at the very end, what was this round thing came out and there was glorious picture and colours. Can I just tell you, the liminal space is like that processing machine. It's the dark place where God does the processing of your lives. And what comes out is something extraordinary. It is a picture of what God's going to do next. Who's excited as me? Eh, Good, a few of you. (laughs) So what I want to do in the... Oh, wow, that was the introduction. Richard, can you pass my water there, please? Thank you. It's just, uh, just there. Thank you. Next to the coffee. Thank you very much. What I want to do in the short amount of space that I obviously have left, I want to look at some specifics around what I feel the Lord has done to us as a people in the liminal space. And because I came up with a list of probably more than 10, you'll be pleased to know I'm only going to do three this morning. And if you're wondering what I'm going to speak on next week, well, the liminal space. There you go. So let's start with my list. And we can see this in the life of Israel, but we can also see this in our life as as well. So let's ask the question, what does God do in the liminal space? And more importantly, what has God been doing to us as a church in the liminal space? Here's the first one. He's been sifting and gathering. Sifting and gathering. 
You know, throughout Israel's journey, the liminal space always represented a time where the hearts of men and women were exposed and where God presented individuals with a choice to who they would follow. That was always the question in front of Israel when they got to the liminal space. Let's look, therefore, at the Babylonian exile. Due to disobedience, they're in in Babylon for 70 years, as prophesied. And there comes a time where, you know, Persia overthrows Babylon, so we've got now Persia. King Cyrus says, right, you know what, guys? Bang on 70 years, FYI. Off you go, you can go. Go back to Israel. Now, you would expect that everyone would be like, way, we can go back. The church doors are open. Sorry, did I say No, I didn't mean that. I mean, everything can go back to normal. I want that. Yes. Did you know that only 50,000 went back out of tons? The majority didn't want to go back. The majority had got comfortable in exile. This is quite comfortable, actually. I quite like it. My week is completely different now. I can do this so and such. I don't have to serve. I don't have to sacrifice. I don't have to prioritise God in, in this or that way because what I can do is I can just be. You see, in the liminal space, God presents you with the choice. Do you know me? I love what... Chris said earlier, I wrote all of these down. Jesus himself was with them. And we sang. You all sang. You sang online. Jesus, you are everything. You're all I need. Do we mean that? Is, that is the choice that's always presented to us in the liminal space. And some people have said, I don't want to go back to Israel. Now, I want to be very careful in how I position this and say this. There are some that, I'm not talking about physically in this building, by the way. I'm talking about people that are saying, I'm part of a church and I'm on a mission and I want to serve and I want to get involved. And I know many of you who I've spoken to who aren't back yet, and I understand that for many reasons. It could be that you're isolating, that you're sick, you're not comfortable yet. That's fine. But you would say, you know what? I'm part of the St. Albans Vineyard. I'm committed. But I do know many who have fallen away, I'm afraid. He said, you know what? This liminal space has showed me that I don't need church. You know what? I've got YouTube now. We may laugh, but this is truth, guys. Church now, it doesn't need to be a place anymore. It doesn't doesn't need to be a body of people. I can find amazing worship online. I can find amazing talks. That's church for me. And people have said, you know what? I'm not up for being part of a church that's moving forward and going to make Christ known. And people have fallen away. It's true. I'm reminded as I was worshipping of Gideon. What happened with the story of Gideon? God said, I want you to go and I want you to go and do something amazing. It was conquering the Philistines, I believe. And Gideon had these loads of people around him. And God said, no, 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 just wait. And through a process of things like, go, go get some water. And said, right, all those that bent down, they're not in. There was another. And by the end of it, there was less than when he started. God said, now you're ready. What was that? 
sifting in the liminal space. God was looking for those that were committed. But equally, God gathers in the liminal space. I am just so grateful to God of the new people that have come to the St. Albans Vineyard because they've been seeking and searching for God and they found God. I know many of you have found us online. And you're saying, you know what? I never really walked closely with the Lord, but when the liminal space here or COVID here, I realized that I needed God. And you see, God is sifting and he's gathering, getting us ready for the next conquest that's about to happen. Why would he do that? Let me give you a few reasons. Number one, to bring unity. God is, is looking for a church that is united under his spirit. You know, there's a blessing that comes with unity of purpose and of mind. Did you know that? This is a, a famous verse. I know I've said it many times before. Uh, Psalm 133, one to three, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, who was a priest, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountain of Zion, for the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. There is a blessing in unity. And Paul exhorts the church in Ephesus as well, saying, saying be of Unity, be a one mind, unity under the spirit. God is looking for a church that is united. And I believe that's part of what happens in the liminal space. The second thing though is a work of purity. We sang that earlier. We sang, I wanna burn for you, only for you. Take my life. Jesus is like, you want that? Fine, okay, I'll put you on the liminal space. I'll give you a choice. Is it really all about me? Is it do you really want to go through the fire? What did Errol say? Errol, earlier, had a word saying, you know, some of you are feeling nervous about that. But you see, it's that place where grace comes. It's that place where surrender comes. It's that place where he purifies us and where peace comes. And so part of being in the liminal space is that God purifies our hearts. That reminds me of that song, Purify My Heart, that purify my heart. Do you, do you know that song? That's a prayer. But you, <laughs> I think if most people knew what the answer to that prayer was, you wouldn't want to pray it. So, okay, here comes the refiner's fire. <laughs> Welcome to the liminal space. I spent some time on that one. But God sifts and he gathers in the liminal space. And as a church, church, that's what he's done to us. He has sifted and he has gathered and he's bringing unity and he's bringing purity. He's bringing holiness. He's preparing his bride. Does he not say in the scriptures, put on Christ, put on holiness, put it on. We need to make a choice. Okay, what else can we learn from the liminal space? Number two, it exposes our fears. When Israel was in the liminal space, right? So they come through the Red Sea and they get to the, to the um, border of the promised land. This is the moment. This is it. Isn't it great? And Moses says, right, we're going to send out 12 spies. You all know the story? Why 12? One of, the, of each tribe of Israel. Go in there, come back and let us know what's going on. So off they went and they came back. And what, what happened? Well, 10 of them said, whoa, 
Okay, to be fair, it is very nice there. There was some honey and some milk. But this is what God did not tell us. There are huge giants. They are very, very big. There is absolutely no way I'm going there. And then Caleb and Joshua are like, well, guys, hold the phone. Actually, why don't I read out the scriptures versus give you my, uh, my take on it. Numbers 13, 30. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. See, the promises of God seemed impossible because of the giants of the land. They weren't imaginable giants. This is not an exercise in ignoring reality. It's an exercise in understanding the greatness of God. You see, Caleb and Joshua got it. They're like, yeah, they're giants, but have you seen how big our God is? And there have been giants in these past two years in the liminal space, haven't they? Real giants, real things. Health and fear has just come in. Money issues, the economy, jobs. I mean, I could go on with a long list. There are giants. But God, but God is bigger. God was looking for faith in the Israelites and God is still looking for faith in his church. How are we gonna respond when God says, right, this is it, guys. We're moving out of the liminal space. God is looking for a people that say, we're all in, God. Yeah, there's some giants out there, but hey, you're big. And so when you're in the liminal space, to get us ready for that moment, he deals with the fear in our hearts. He allows them to come to the surface. Why? So that he can deal with it. How? By his great love. Perfect love casts out fear. When you realise that you are his, when you realise that you are eternally saved and eternally sealed, when you realise that he has a plan and purpose for you, when you realise that God is greater than those things because of his great love, you can do what Caleb do and quieten the people around you. It's okay. And can I just say in this season, you, we are called to quieten the people around us. It's okay. But God, it's okay. God is bigger. Yes, they're giants. I'm not going to ignore that. You know, the lost are not looking for a bunch of people that are unrealistic and not in touch with reality and just want to put a gloss on everything. They're looking for people that can walk alongside and say, you know what, it is rubbish and it does suck. But God, it's okay. It's okay. Oh, look at the time. Did someone say keep going? Oh, that's, that's dangerous. Anybody got ovens on Wi-Fi now? You can just delay it on the timer. I'm just kidding. I'm going to give you the third and then we're going to stop at that point, okay? Because I'll save some for next week. This is the third thing God does. He reveals our need for him and our dependence on him. He reveals our need for him and our dependence on him. In the liminal space, God strips away our comfort, our security, our routines, which slowly what you see happens with those is inadvertently they become the rock by which we, li we, we live our lives. It happens to all of us. It happens to your senior pastor. <gasps> really? Yes, I'm human too, by the way, FYI. 
Thank you. I agree. You see, God gives us, by his grace, an opportunity to say, those are the rocks that you're living on. And by the way, they will never stand when the storm comes. The only rock is Jesus himself. Jesus himself. Let's look at the story of Israel then as we, as we bring this plane into a land. So what happens? Joshua and Caleb say we can, but God is so angry with Israel. In fact, he's about to wipe them out. Lest, had it not been for the fact that Moses intercedes and say, whoa, whoa, for your name's sake, don't do that. But God says, you know what? That whole generation are not going to enter into the promised land because of their fear, because of their disobedience. Everyone above 20 years old is not going to see it except for Joshua and Caleb. That's why they went into the wilderness for 40 years, by the way. It was judgment. It was punishment. They, the liminal space did not have to be 40 years. They're about to go into it. And if you look at the map, all they did was spend 40 years doing this around the wilderness. I wonder where the promised land is. Wait a minute, didn't we go there once? I don't know. 40 years of liminal space. 40 years. But it was in that place that God said, right, let me show you who you need to depend on and who you need. I'll give you your food every day. Manna will come down from heaven. Quails. And you know what? Their shoes and their clothes never wore out. Did you know that? Deuteronomy 29.5, yet the Lord says, during the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. I'll show you who's God. And you see, it's in the liminal space, church. When everything is stripped away, those rocks, those foundations that we had built our life on, those routines, those relationships, that money in the bank, that security in the job, X, Y, Z, et cetera, et cetera, that God says, let me show you that you need me. Unless you think that that is a cruel God, that is a God full of grace and mercy because it's in that place that we experience his love and his grace. Why? Because he wants the best for us. I'm going to end those three there. Um, as a way of a recap, he sifts and he gathers. God has been sifting and gathering his church, not just here, by the way, Church Global. I've spoken to other senior leaders of churches and they've expressed exactly the same thing. Number two, exposes our fears so we can deal with them. And number three, if I can find it, he reveals our, reveals our need for him and our dependence on him. I'd like to invite the band up as I am with some more scripture because what I wanna try and do is focus us on what's next. Can we turn to Isaiah 48, three to eight? You see, in many ways, this is a parallel to Isaiah 43. We've read the former things. I'm about to do something new. God actually references this again in 48 in a slightly different take. Let's read this together. It's rather uh, long, three to eight. It will come up on the screen or if you're at home, it'll be on your screen. Let me read this to you. <clears throat> the former things... Remember that phrase, I declared of old. They went out from my mouth and I announced them. And suddenly I did them and they came to pass. Because I know that you are an abstinent and your neck is an iron sinew and your forehead brass, in other words, you're stubborn people, I declared them to you from old before they came to pass. I announced them to you. Why? Here's the answer. Lest you should say, my idol did them my carved image and my mental image. In other words, God said, I told you what I was going to do so that when it happened, you didn't say, well, I did that. Look at what my hands did. No, 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 no. But this is very interesting. Look what happens next. 
You have heard, now see all this, and you will not declare it. From the time forth, I announce, listen, to you new things, hidden things that you have not known. They are created now, not long ago. Before today, you have never heard of them. <laughs> Lest you should say, behold, I knew them. You have never heard, you have never known. From old, your ear has not been opened. What is God saying? Listen, church, there are seasons where God will declare what he does first and then they happen. And there are seasons where God doesn't and he just does them. And in the moment, he reveals it in his strength. You see, I believe the new things are gonna be that season where we're just gonna start seeing things. And he's gonna start revealing those things as they happen. We are moving into a season of revelation. We're moving into a season of new things because we are moving out of the threshold into our new destination, church. This liminal space that we've been in hasn't been an accident. It has not been wasted. God has been working in us as a people for the next chapter. And I'm putting the church on notice that it's gonna be an exciting chapter. I'm putting the church on notice that we've got work to do to continue to make Christ known. I'm putting the church on notice that it's gonna require sacrifice from us. It's gonna require us to dig deep, but in so doing, recognising that God has already prepared us for it. I wanna say each one of you here, each one of you online, however you find us being part of this church, you are not here by accident. You have been called for such a time as this because God is about to do something new in your midst. Who's up for that? We're about to see something extraordinary, church. Let us worship him now. Thank you, Lord.